Today we want to kick off a, a, a brand new sermon series. I want you to repeat out loud after me. Everything that sounds true is not true. <laughs> Say it again. Everything that sounds true is not true. Now, I wanted to talk about that because we're going to kick off this series today called Clichés, Half-Truths, and Lies That We Believe. Throw that picture up on the screen for you. Anybody know what that is? Yeah, it looks like a groundhog. It's in that same family. It's actually a marmot. There's a whole bunch of those rascals up in Alaska when I was hiking. Um, in, I was reading this article, uh, this news story. You may have seen it uh, just a few weeks ago. In Mongolia, um, in remote areas, there was this local legend that um, marmots were good to eat. How many of you would cook that rascal and eat it? I know a couple of you rednecks would, I guarantee you. Uh, but it, what's interesting is in the remote areas of Mongolia, the belief was that if you ate the kidneys of these marmots raw and ate their flesh raw, that it would actually be extremely healthy for you. And if you saw in the news, there was actually a couple that did that. They ate the, the raw kidneys and they ate the flesh of this marmot and they ended up with bubonic plague. They died. No kidding, they died. But also, bubonic plague can be spread, and so they actually had to quarantine this entire village, 120 people, including these visitors that were there from Korea and, and Europe. They had to quarantine them for, for an extended period of time and feed them, get them antibiotics to, in order to not spread the plague. Not everything that you hear is true. And, and when we were working on this series, we were thinking about the fact that, you know, that's true uh, in the church. We, we hear a lot of things along the way. We hear a lot of life lessons, relationship lessons, and you know what? They're just not accurate. When I was growing up back in the day, and I'm going to really date myself here, that there are a few of you that are almost my age, or at least half my age. Um, how many of you remember the movie Love Story? Remember that? I mean, it was really big when I was like in high school. There was a saying. You guys remember the saying that was in that? What does it What does it say? Love means you never have to say you're sorry. What a load of crock. <laughs> How many of you have ever been in love? Yeah, six of us. <laughs> have you ever had to say you're sorry? It's like, that's like I always say, you know, it's like I always say. It, but, you know, it, it sounds, and I can remember, you know, when that came out, too, love means you never have to say you're sorry, you know, and everybody was, so, but, it, but it's, it's garbage, it's not, it's not true at all. Well, that's what I want to talk about. We want to pull out several of those throughout the summer and, and really kind of help push on us. Now, this is going to push a little bit on some of our theology, because some of us honestly buy into some of these things that are sayings. But they aren't really completely, they may have truth in them, but they're not really completely true. Uh, today, in honor of Father's Day, I thought we'd start with one that you know, many of us heard growing up. And it's this saying, big boys don't cry. Big boys don't cry. How many of you heard that saying before? How many of you had that said to you along the way? Yeah. How many of you said it to your kids? <laughs> yeah. And what's interesting is, is that when you step back away from it, I mean, all of us are, are really, you know, kind of aware, well, that's not really true, but it is something that we tend to buy into. Now, and when you begin to think about that, I want to look at this from two different angles today, because on, especially in honor of Father's Day, I, I want to talk about it first as, as men because when we buy into this, what it really means is one implication is that it's not manly to show emotion. It's not manly 
to show emotion. You know, again, go back to the to my grown-up days, you know, when they put these, uh, you know, the idols that we had on, on TV and in movies, you know, you saw the, you know, the Clint Eastwoods, you know, and the John Waynes, and, uh, you know, and these were guys that were rough and tough, and, and you know, you never, you never saw them cry, you never saw them, you know, get down, you know, you never saw they were, all, and, and, and again, that's kind of this image that we have, that that's how men ought to be. And some of us, quite, quite frankly, if we get really honest, some of us grew up in homes where we had fathers that were like that. We had fathers that weren't emotional. We had fathers that didn't cry. We had fathers that didn't really engage with us emotionally. And, and, and if we're honest, for some of us have been, we've kind of adapted that kind of way of life. Now, I, I want to unpack this just a little bit because sometimes we don't think this is really a big deal, but it can really be a big deal. What's the result? If So what, Steve? So what if men do don't show emotion? Well, there's a few things. One is that it can cause men to deny and stuff their emotions. You know, if I think it's emo- not manly to be emotional, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to deny I don't, I'm not really hurt. You didn't hurt my feelings or, you know, I'm not really sad or I'm not really down. No, I've got this. And, and, when, and when, we, when we deny our feelings and when we stuff our feelings, you know what happens? It comes out sideways. If you ever wonder why people blow up over something that's not a big deal, I can almost always guarantee you it's because there are emotions that they haven't expressed in the proper way, and so it found a vent hole through something that wasn't a big deal, and it comes exploding out sideways. You have a kid who knocks a glass over at the table, and the father goes berserk on him. Why would a father go berserk over a simple broken glass? It's because he's got all this emotion that's stuffed down inside. Does that make sense to you? Another result of it is that we find, we find men who are uncomfortable being around people who are emotional. Um, this is so interesting. Um, I, have a, I have an uncle who was um, kind of a, a, a tough guy. Um, you know, he was one of those guys back in the, back in the day that you know would roll the cigarettes up in his, his sleeve, you know, kind of the, the you know kind of thing up on his shoulder, and you know, he had drove fast car, and he was he was the tough guy. But my uncle had a really hard time with emotion. He he wasn't a guy that would show emotion, especially sensitivity if somebody was hurting. In fact, one of the things that I witnessed that I thought was so incredibly sad was my uncle was so uncomfortable with emotion. He didn't even attend his own mother's funeral because it was too hard for him to be around people who were crying, and he was deathly afraid of the fact that he might cry himself. You see, sometimes when we haven't been allowed or we haven't felt like we've been able to process our own emotions, it makes us being really uncomfortable being around people who are. Does that make sense to you? Now, let me get you to a third one, and this really hurts. Is that one of the other results is that you have men who have wives and children who end up emotionally starved. I can't tell you through my years of ministry how many, how many wives I've had that have talked to me about the fact that their husband does not know how to engage them emotionally. I can't tell you how many times I've heard stories of people who grew up in homes where their father didn't show emotions and what that was like for them now as an adult trying to figure out how to operate uh, in, in the world that they now live in, particularly if they have family of their own. I, I read an article just this week. It was really sad. This young lady who's now a woman, she was reflecting back on her growing up days and she was talking about the fact that as she was growing up, uh, she said, all, the, all I ever saw from my father was either apathy or anger. 
See, because the only emotion that he really ever showed was anger. And she said, I used to go to my girlfriend's homes. And she goes, and I would, I would see fathers of my girlfriends tell them how beautiful they were. And she said, and I would be so jealous. She said, I would, t- I would see fathers telling their, telling their daughters how much they loved them. And she, she said, I would be so jealous. She said, all I ever wanted to know was that my dad really loved me and that he really cared. Now, what, what I want to look at me for just a second, man. I, I just want you to hear my heart. I, I know, for, especially for some of us who haven't seen this model, it, it's really hard to learn how in the world to show emotion in a healthy and balanced way. I, I understand that. But I want to tell you that it's not just about you and your own mental and emotional health. It really is about these people that you love and hold dear. They need you to be that way. Um, I, I think it's so interesting how when we talk about Father's Day that, you know, God is our model as a father, not John Wayne or Clint Eastwood. And I love what Psalm 103 says when it says that God, God is compassionate toward his children, just like a father, or at least as a father ought to be. Um, you want to see some real men showing emotion? I love this passage. Throw that verse up on the screen. I love this. David, this is David and his fighting men and his army. He said, when David and his men reached Ziklag, they found it destroyed by fire, and their wives and sons and daughters were taken captive. Now read this last sentence out loud with me. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. Now I want you to think about this. These, these guys are bad dudes. I mean, these are guys, these are warriors. These are guys that were, were armies that were conquering everybody. And yet they, they felt like it was okay to cry until they couldn't cry anymore. Big boys do cry. Look at me, guys. Real men do cry. We have to learn how to be emotional, especially with those that we love. Now, let me, let me turn a corner with this. Because when we talk about real men, uh, big boys don't cry, it's, it's not just about men. It's about us as Christians. Because how we, how we spiritualize this little cliche is the other implication is that it's not mature for Christians to demonstrate sadness, grief, or disappointment. In other words, we, we kind of take that whole thing and, and, and we begin to spiritualize it. And we say, you know what, if, if you really have faith... You know, you shouldn't be sad. Or if you really have faith, you shouldn't be disappointed. You know, if you really have faith, then, then you should just believe God holds you in your hand and you, you shouldn't be going through all of this. Now, look at me. That is just, that, that's, that's just so not true. God gave us emotions as a gift. And those emotions give us the ability to work through the struggles and the pain and the losses that life brings our way. Does this make sense to you? In fact, that when we, if, if, if we begin to believe that we shouldn't be emotional, if we begin to believe that we shouldn't be disappointed or, or, or be grieving if we've had a loss, if we really believe that stuff, there, there are some real fallouts that takes place. One of the things that happens is it, it causes us to question our faith. If I'm feeling disappointed, if I'm feeling depressed, if I'm, if I'm feeling, if I'm really grieving, if I'm having a hard time getting beyond a loss, then, then there must be something wrong with me and my relationship with God. I don't want to tell you, I had, I've had three conversations this week about this one thing. Three. 
Three different people that I've engaged that have felt like, you know what, if I'm struggling and I'm, and I'm not getting past it, if I'm having a hard time, then somehow there must be something about me that, that, that's not where it ought to be. And, and, and I try to go back, keep pushing back to this fact. If you're having a hard time, it's not because you have a lack of faith. It's because you're human. Go back through Scripture. Read about every great person in the Bible. And can I tell you the common denominator about all of them? They struggled with life somewhere along the way. Look at the prophets, look at David, look at Paul, look at Jesus. Every single one of them weren't afraid to admit that sometimes life is hard and life hurts. Does this make sense to you? If we believe that lie, it, it'll cause us to, to question our faith. The other thing it can do is it causes us to pretend like we're okay when we're not okay. Come on, it's just us. How many of you have ever told someone you're fine when you're not really fine? I was speaking to a group of pastors one uh, few years back, and I was, I was talking about creating cultures in our church where we can be honest with each other. And I, I was saying, you, never, you ever, guys ever realize how, how often on Sunday mornings your people lie to each other? I mean, we come to church, and, and we do what we think we're supposed to do. You know, we put on our smile, and we go, Nathaniel, how are you? And Nathaniel says... I'm fine. And he says, Steve, how are you? And I, I'm fine. And we're lying. This boy's a mess. <laughs> I'm a mess, right? <laughs> the end lived with me last summer. You remember what a mess I was. Yeah. And, you know, and, that, and, that's, and that's the same. But we do that. Now, again, hear my heart. I'm not saying that we have to open our heart up to everybody because we know not everybody really wants to hear. And quite frankly, there are some people who aren't safe. They shouldn't hear. But if we're not being honest with at least some people, we're missing what God is giving to us. Because if we believe, big boy shouldn't cry, if I really believe that my faith, you know, should take care of everything, you know what, then I'm, I'm going to pretend like I'm okay when I'm really not okay. And this gets me to one last thing, and this one really hurts too, is that if we really buy into that, then another result is that it causes us to respond to each other in ways that can hurt rather than help. Causes us to respond in ways that can hurt rather than help. Throw that passage of scripture up on the screen. This is Paul writing to the Romans in Romans 12, 15. Read this out loud with me, church. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Now, look at me. We get this backwards. We get this backwards. A lot of times, when people are excited because they've had a win and they're, you know, they, they got a promotion or, or something went well, they won a game and they're celebrating. You know, what's so funny is how often people will go, well, don't get a big head. Instead of being happy, celebrating with them, it's like, you know, if you're celebrating, that's pride and you can't be proud. So be sad about the fact that you won. What? That's not what Paul said. He said, be what with people who are happy? Happy with people who are happy. And the other one, too, is being sad and weep with people who weep. How often have we had someone who's sad and they're, they're you know, and, and, and it's hurting our heart to see them sad. So what do we say? We, don't cry. Will, don't cry. Don't cry. Come on, Will. Don't cry. You know? No, Will, cry. You're a youth pastor. You have everything to cry about, man. I mean, that's... <laughs> 
We have these kids. We know what they're like. You know, it's a, yeah, you know, but, but that's, that's the part. That's the part that we, we, we do. In fact, sometimes we say the most inappropriate things. I, I want you to look at me. This is not about theology for a second. It's about our ability to be emotionally supportive of one another. You know, some years ago, um, I was with a family who had lost a child. And I heard someone say to this grieving mother, aren't you so happy that your baby is in heaven? I believe in heaven. And I am so thankful for the hope that we have. But it was absolutely one of the most inappropriate things that I had ever heard said. Because there's a time to talk about our hope in heaven, but when a mother is grieving, that is not the time. Does this make sense to you? There's a time to talk about that hope. There's a time she'll lean into that. There's a time she'll be grateful for that. But the Bible doesn't say, give good theology to those who are weeping. What does it say to her to do with people who are weeping? Weep. Weep. Because that's what helps them to process the pain. Does this make sense? Let me give you just a few thoughts. I want you to be able to, to, to really put this in, into practice. Let, let me give you, because I know, I know some of you are real uncomfortable right now. Some of you are, I'm not showing my emotion. Well, let, let, me, just, let me give you a couple of things that just, well, I hope will help you. You ready? Here we go. Here's the first one. Being vulnerable with our sorrow, it makes, it makes our faith believable to a watching world. It makes our faith believable to a watching world. Have you, ever, have you ever seen Christians on television and they look like they're plastic? Now, I, I want you to understand this. I mean, they, they, they may be impressive to other Christians, but that's not really impressive to people in general. In fact, I put this on your outline. Throw that, what I set up on, on the screen, please. Read this with me. People aren't impressed by Christians who pretend their lives are perfect. They're impressed by people who are authentic and real. They're impressed by people who are authentic. In our staff, we're going through a, a book called Overcoming the Dark Side of Leadership, uh, going through this book together. And one of the things we've talked about is throughout the book, it talks about these Christian leaders who had fantastic success, but then had these huge cave-ins in their life, and, and they had these great falls. And one of the questions we keep asking over and over again is, how does this happen? How can someone have such blessing by God and then have, their, have this whole thing just completely fall apart? Well, a big part of that is the fact that when, when you start having a little success, you feel like you have to project this image. You know, uh, I'm a godly person, and, and I don't struggle, and I don't have any problems, and my marriage is fine, and my, my mental health is fine, and everything is fine, and everything's good. And the, and the harder you work to project that image, the more your life begins to deteriorate underneath until finally it all caves in. We might as well do what we all knew. We all know not everyone's perfect. We, we know that's not the way it ought to be. We might as well admit that on the front end. Amen? I promise you, a lot of what we've seen happen historically with great people of faith could have been avoided had they just been honest and able and real enough to admit what they were struggling with, what they were wrestling with, what they were being tempted by, to bring a few close friends into the loop to help them with that. They could have saved their, themselves and their ministries. You know why I think people were so attracted to Jesus? He was real. He was real. He was such a contrast to these religious people 
who felt like they were above all the other people. And here came Jesus who just walked among them. In fact, I, I love, what did Jesus do at a funeral? Throw it, throw it up on the screen. Read those first two words. Jesus, Jesus did what? Well, the Son of God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Does Jesus believe in heaven? Absolutely. Is he a person of faith? Absolutely. Yet in front of a crowd of people at the friend of a funeral, what did he do? He wept. He wept. He was real. He was authentic. And in fact, I love what the people said. Then the Jews said, read it with me, see how he loved him. See how he loved him. Jesus was real to them. Another thing that when we're able to be vulnerable is being vulnerable with our sorrow also helps us to reach out, uh, helps others to reach out to us when they're struggling. When, when we're able to be honest and real, when we're able to be authentic, when we're able to not be afraid to show emotion, when we're able to make our hearts available to other people when, when we're going through stuff, you know what? That allows them to do the same for us. Um, it was really, it, it was funny. Um, I may have told you this story before, but it was back in Pennsylvania. Well, I used to write a weekly column in a newsletter. And one, one time I wrote this column called Thawing Out the Cold War. And uh, this story that I wrote was about Wanda and I having a fight. And um, I don't remember uh, what the fight was about. I'm, I'm sure it was her fault. But it was, the I mean, article was about her and I having this spat and then how we, how we worked through that spat. Uh, so funny, like a week or two later, my parents came to town from Ohio, and my dad and I are going up to the store, and my dad says, can I talk to you for a second? I said, sure, what's up? He said, uh, that article you wrote a couple weeks ago about you and Wanda having a fight. I said, yeah. He said, you know, Steve, he said, I, I really don't think the church people should know that the pastor and his wife fight. And I started laughing. And I said, Dad, how stupid do you think my people are? They know Wanda. They know how hard she is to get along with. <laughs> and all God's people said, yeah, there you go. I got, I got some minute. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you who that was. <laughs> but it was, it was so funny. In fact, I went on to tell my dad. I said, Dad, you, do you understand it's the fact that I'm not afraid to admit that I struggle in my marriage sometimes or that I struggle as a father or that I struggle. You, do you understand? It's because I'm not afraid to tell my people that I'm giving them permission to reach out to me with their struggles because I'm not afraid to tell them I'm just right exactly where they are. Amen? And again, when you and I bear our hearts to other people when we aren't afraid to show the fact that we struggle too. You know what? We give people permission to be able to reach out to us. I, I love what Paul wrote uh, to the Corinthians. He says, he comforts us, speaking of God, God comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort others. Read it with me. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. Let me give you one more. Why should we bear our hearts? Well, being vulnerable with our sorrow, it gives God a chance to bring healing and wholeness to us. It gives God a chance to bring healing and wholeness to us. Now look at me. I want you to hear this. Sometimes this pain that we're carrying around on the inside, we don't have to carry it. 
but we're never really going to process it until we come to a place of being able to be real and honest and vulnerable and allow some other people to take this journey with us because that's how God, until we get honest with ourselves, honest with God, and honest with some people, it stays. Living it, getting it out, gives God a chance to heal it. Um, I, I, I love, throw the passage of Scripture up on the screen. Psalmist in Psalm 20, verse 1, read it with me. I took my troubles to the Lord. I cried out to him, and he answered my prayer. What's David talking about? He's talking about being honest with God, rather than just, you know, pretending with God that everything's good when everything's not. He said, as being able to cry out to God and say, Lord, my life is a mess. I'm in pain. I'm struggling. I, I'm having lots of doubts. Lord, help me here. Sometimes, man, the best prayer is that prayer from the thief on the cross beside Jesus who said, Lord, remember me. Because when we cry out to God from our heart, we give God a chance to speak to our heart. But secondly, the second part of that is also, it's also about letting one or two other people in. Now, you heard me talk about, we don't have to necessarily open our heart to everybody, but who do you open your heart to? Because if you're not opening your heart to a few other people, you're really missing God's gift to you. I love how Paul says it to the Galatians. Put that up on the screen for me. Read it with me, church. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. In this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Carry each other's burdens. Uh, I put on your statement something I heard Rick Wyatt Warren say years and years ago, and that is, God can't heal what we won't reveal. But when we do, God can do wonders. Last Sunday night, um, I was heading out the door to take a walk through our neighborhood, and um, I got a phone call from a young, uh, young pastor who asked if I had a minute to talk to him. I said, sure. And uh, a young guy that I've crossed paths with a couple times, and, and he said, Steve, I'm struggling. He said, I am so discouraged. He said, I just want to give up. I said, dude, what's going on? And he said, well, you know, for the last few years, he said, things have gone really well, he said, and uh, the church had grown, and we were moving forward, he said, and we, you know, got some land, and we were going to have to build and move, you know, move. he said, but now for the last few months, he said, man, he said, I've had uh, several families that have left the church for various reasons. He said, I've had, you know, things that happen. He said, I've had, uh, you know, kind of a, a, a one family that has got, been really upset with me, and he said, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just struggling. He said, it just feels like the wheels are coming off. He said, and I'm so discouraged. He said, quite frankly, I'm wondering if I'm called to do this job at all. And as I listened to him, my heart just broke. Because here's this very gifted, very dedicated young man who's just going through some of the very natural highs and lows that life throws our way sometimes. And, and I had the chance over the next several moments just, just, just to begin to speak to him and I began to talk to him. I said, you know, man, I said, where you're at is the place that all of us pastors go sometimes. I said, sometimes there are great days and sometimes there are low days. I said, all of us have had people who have come to our church and we've had great days of growth. And I said, all of us have had people who are left our church. And I said, man, most of us in ministry, when people leave our church, I said, it, it's like somebody slices our heart. It, it hurts. And I said, now what's happening for you? I said, as you're just going through one of these down times, and I said, and the enemy is trying to take this discouragement, and he's just trying to beat you up with it, dude. And I said, but I want you to understand, this is not about you. 
You know, certainly God teaches us through these things, but this is not about you. You are called of God. You're good at what you do. You're a good pastor, and you need to not believe that anything else. And I just began for the next several moments just to speak encouragement into him. When I, when I got to the end uh, of our conversation, I said, can I, can I pray for you? He said, man, I'd love that. And I just prayed for him over the phone. And I just asked God to heal his heart, to protect his heart, and, and to breathe new life into this young man. And, uh, and while I prayed, this kid just cried. He just cried. The next day, now at the end of the day, I was sitting in my recliner and I was thinking about him and I sent him a text. I said, so how you doing today? And uh, he said, Steve, I'm, he said, I'm doing so much better. He said, you really helped me last night. And he said, today I did what you told me to do. He said, I called a few of my leaders and I asked them if they could meet with me. He goes, I sat at a table with them and I shared my heart with them. And he said, they had a chance to gather around me and to pray for me, and they began to speak encouragement. And they told me that they were standing with me, and, and they understood, and this was not my fault, and that they were going to be with me. And he said, yesterday I felt so alone. Today I feel strong. Now, I just want you to get this. This young man was very brave. You see, a lot of pastors would have never called anyone. A lot of pastors would have thought that to call someone and ask for help like that means that they're weak or it meant that they weren't spiritual, or it meant that they weren't good pastors. Because this young man was able to humble his heart and to reach out to someone else, God was able to heal and bring comfort to him. Does this make sense to you? God can't heal what we won't reveal, but if we are willing to reveal it, God can do some pretty cool stuff. Amen. I'm going to ask Rachel to go ahead and come on up. Um, I've asked Rachel to lead us in a, in a song uh, today um, as just a way that we can respond and give us a chance to lean into the Lord. And um, we're going to do something, uh, add a little piece to our weekly services that um, will be uh, new for, for most of you. You know, if you have a prayer need, you can write it on a card, you can put it on the wall, and you can do that before, after, during, at any time. The altars are also available um, for you to have a chance to pray. If you want to pray by yourself, uh, you're more than willing. Uh, more than willing to, you can go to the altar and just have a moment there, and that's and that's wonderful. I'm, but I ask my prayer partners if you guys would go ahead and come on up and uh, stand up here with me. But we also want to make available to you people who will pray with you. Uh, some of you may be dealing with something, and you were sitting there thinking, "I, I just wish I had somebody to pray with me." It could be whatever need it is. It could be related to what I said today. It could be totally unrelated to any of that. But sometimes we just need someone to hear our heart for a moment and just to pray with us about that. And so today, and beginning of each week as we move forward, we have people that will just be up here at the front. And while we sing this song and right at the end here of the service, if you would like them to pray with you, you can just walk up to them right where they are, and they'll take your hands, they'll listen to your need, and, and they're just going to pray for you. And they're going to ask God's best and God's blessing of you. And if that'll be helpful to you, we want you to take advantage of that. Sometimes it's just knowing that we're not alone. Amen. Rachel's going to lead us in a song. If you'd like a moment to respond, you feel free. Our prayer partners are here for you if you'd like to take advantage of that. Let's pray together. Our fathers, we come before you today. Lord, I want to thank you 
for the emotions that you gave us. That in your wisdom, you knew that life would sometimes be hard, challenging, frustrating. You knew there would be times of great joy, great happiness, laughter. And you knew there would be times of great struggle and sadness. So you gave us the ability to laugh. You gave us the ability to smile. You gave us the ability to weep. And it's your gift to us. It's your gift that allows us to help us to process all of those things that are on the inside and get them out. But it's also the gift that you gave us to one another. Because when we come alongside of people who are happy and are happy with them, we, we double that joy. And when we come alongside of people who are sad and we weep with them, we ease the sorrow that's in their heart. Lord, we live in a world that has told us that big boys don't cry. And that's just not true. Real men do cry. Real men are men enough to not be afraid to show their emotions with those around them. And real Christians aren't afraid to share their sorrow or to share their joy. And I pray, Father, that you would make of us real people who live authentic and real lives, who aren't afraid to process the life's pain or process life's joy our own selves and and that you would give us the ability to carry one another's burdens. We thank you, God. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your son. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. And thank you for the incredible gift you gave us in one another. In your precious name we pray today. We give you thanks. And all of God's people said, amen. Amen.